0: Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today. To help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am really excited to have joining us today Kat Matloub, who is the head of partnerships here at Good Dog. And she is a trained attorney, and she is one of the people on our team who works really hard following legislation around the country. And there's a lot of legislation and initiatives that are taking place here in the U.S. that have the potential to very negatively impact dog breeders. And that is bad not just for dog breeders, but for you guys, for everybody. So welcome, Kat. Super excited to have you join us.
1: Thank you so much, Laura. I'm so pleased to be here to be talking about such a serious topic and one so close to my heart. As you mentioned, I'm a member of the Good Breeder legal team here at Good Dog. And so there's three of us who used to be dog owners and members of the general public and did not realize how harmful this legislation was, to your point, to folks who are owners and dog lovers alike, not just breeders. So really excited to be here today. Excellent.
0: So when we talk about legislation that severely impacts breeders. We're talking about things that limit the number of litters to one or limit the number of dogs or a lot of government overreach is a big topic these days. So a lot of government Mm -hmm. overreach into the breeder's home to micromanage what and how they can do with their animals. And Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how this impacts you, the average dog owner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the important thing with respect to so much legislation and regulation that's proposed, that is, to your point, overreaching. A lot of times that comes and stems from having good intentions. But the unfortunate reality is the folks who are drafting and passing those regulations and legislations, they're not informed on responsible breeding practices or responsible breeders. They don't bring breeders typically or they haven't necessarily brought them into those conversations. So the results in a lot of cases are really harmful to breeders who are engaging in responsible practices to the extent that they actually often result in kind of pushing a lot of the good breeders out of the system because they make it too onerous or restrictive or costly or what have you to continue engaging in breeding practices that are responsible. And so the result of that, when you have the good breeders exiting the system then you have more and more of the bad actors kind of stepping in to take advantage of that. And especially those who are circumventing the rules and regulations anyway. So what that means is dogs bred with less responsible practices, which means less healthy dogs. So you as the dog owner struggling to find dogs from good sources and having in some cases really unfortunate results emotionally, financially, and worst of all, with respect to the health of the dogs that are being produced.
0: Absolutely. And Kat, you know, I think it's really important for us to understand that that there are good breeders out there. And these people already follow the requirements mm-hmm. that the government is attempting to force on them. So interestingly enough, I had recently a very powerful conversation with Patty Strand, who is the president of the National Animal Interest Alliance. And Patty and I talked about a specific piece of legislation that's taking form in California. And so I wanted to share with you and share with our listeners some of that episode, some of that conversation, because Patty has been involved with the legislation around dog breeders for some 30 years and has some pretty incredible insight about that. So let's take a listen to that. So walk us through what this is, and if you have any insight into it, why it is.
2: (laughs) The why is especially hard. You know, we work on legislation all the time, and when you actually look at the bill and pull it up, it has no declarations in it. Most bills start with a list of reasons why the bill is being proposed, whereas overpopulation is filling up our shelters, and whereas the dogs are coming from breeders, or blah, blah, blah there'll be a whole list of different reasons why the bill is necessary. This bill strikingly lacks declarations. I don't know, maybe that's a California thing. So many of the things that are required in the bill or that might lead you to understand why they think the bill is important are already being done. They've already been passed into previous laws. Of course, the new things in the bill are the things that we object to, like you know, having a breeder permit, even if you are Someone with just one or two or three dogs, if you're going to breed even one dog or one cat, basically in California, if you are selling more than 20 dogs a year or having more than three litters, you're already regulated to some degree. There are certain disclosures that you have to make and you're supposed to be registered with different agencies and so on. Much of what this bill does is just duplicative of that bill, but it extends it to people who might have only one dog or one cat and choose to breed that dog or cat. So it really redefines hobby breeders and people who maybe have a pet and they decide that they're going to have a litter. It redefines those people as businesses, basically. Interesting. Yeah, it's really not good dogs and people have been together for quite a while now, like about 15,000 years. And the association is really an important one. And to have government come in and start regulating that relationship, again, when it's not a business relationship, when it's a lifestyle or just a personal relationship that you have is excessive, I guess. We'll put it that way. They call the bill the Pet Breeder Humane Care Act, but we will dub it The Humane Breeder Elimination Act or the Breed Extinction Act of 2021, because there's already a shortage of dogs. I mean, the need for this bill is non-existent. We're importing over a million dogs into the United States right now. One of the things that I found
0: interesting when I read through this, and I have not poured through it like I know you have, is it says that anybody, like you said, even if it's just one litter, has to buy a breeder permit. And if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, submit to some level of inspection.
2: Yeah, they have to submit to some level of inspection. And you also have to get a business license and be able to present your tax ID number. So there is this association with people just keeping dogs and cats, having an occasional litter with being a business. And so even if a person was in favor of all of this, it's very unlikely in some neighborhoods that you would be granted a business license. So it's one of those things where it demands certain things of you. And many of those things are not possible depending upon where you live. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that struck me and walked me through this, most people, even you know, your average hobby breeder, can't qualify as a business under the IRS standards. You don't make enough money. And so I don't understand the disconnect there. How do they think that's going to happen?
2: I don't know that they think it can happen. I mean, there's nothing that's really logical about this bill. There's no stated reason for the bill. It's just, you know, we think that everybody should be regulated. That's really the dominant message throughout the bill. If you went back into the 90s, you could look at the number of animals entering shelters and you could say, you know, we want to make sure that we reduce the number of irresponsibly bred animals that aren't going to wind up in permanent homes. And, you know, you could make certain kinds of arguments. But today, with a shortage of dogs in the United States and with California receiving most of the dogs they have from out of state and even out of country with some of them, you can't make that argument anymore. And so... The argument that they're making is that there needs to be a whole array of things to make sure that you're raising your single dog, your two or three dogs, this non-business arrangement you have with your dogs in a way that the state thinks is appropriate. Well, most animal ordinances, county ordinances, city ordinances cover basic humane treatment of animals. So it's unnecessary in that regard. So again, you just go back to they want to regulate breeders. They want to regulate everyone who has the ability and from time to time might produce a litter, period. They just want to bring that under government. This has come up in California before. I think many of the people that have been around for a while in the sport will remember a bill called AB 1634. It kept us busy fighting it for almost two years, Mm -hmm. and it was the most intense political fight we've ever had. You know, it had a lot of things in it that were the same as this one. And if you go back into the 90s, there was an attempt to do something very similar to this. I think 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there, there was a bill that was introduced that was very similar to this. And interestingly enough, some of the agencies that were involved, I think ones involved with consumer affairs, opposed the bill because it's so unrealistic. The big thing is what happens with a bill like this if it was past is that the good people, the people who want to be legal and responsible and just want to do everything in their lives in accordance with the laws that are on the books, they're the only ones that are going to sign up for something like this. And it's going to be a very tiny number of people. But hobby dog breeders in particular, and probably cat enthusiasts too, pedigreed cat enthusiasts, this is part of their lifestyle. They are in the business, you might say, not in business to make money, but in the business to preserve their breed and to make sure that they're improving their breed and that the breed is healthy. And you know all this. There's no way in the world they qualify as businesses because they spend more money on their dogs and cats than they will ever bring in. But what happens with these bills is that the people who don't want to operate in a way that could be viewed as illegal, they just quit. And that's really the dramatic effect that a lot of these bills have had over the years is in their encouragement or discouragement, I should say, of people to continue their lifestyle interests in preserving their breeds. So it can really be devastating in that particular way. You know, there have always been certain things all of us would like to see improved. You know, anybody who lives and works with animals instinctively is humane. You don't want to see them mistreated. But it's just the overall misdirection of so many of the animal bills that get introduced. They're introduced by people who have some kind of ideological point of view about how animals should be raised or have some point of view about how they're sure they are being raised. And they proceed then to write bills that don't target the right thing. I mean, I could come up with a list of four or five different things. I'm not a big proponent of new laws per se. I don't just sit around and try to think of what kind of new law we should pass. But, you know, if there was a given area that we were talking about where there was a problem, you could write something that could target that specifically without catching everybody in the same net. And that's the problem with these bills that are so misdirected is that they wind up having an effect way beyond what they claim they're trying to do. But right now, the number of dogs in households that are already neutered is 85%, Laura. Wow. 85% of household dogs. So 15% of household dogs are intact and mm. capable of breeding, but it's only a fraction of those dogs that are going to be bred. As you know, there's good health reasons in some cases to keep your dog or cat intact. Right. So it's a very small percentage of the population that they're going after today. and There's a negative correlation in their minds between being intact and capable of breeding. And so they're going after that particular small segment now. Right now, there's about 87 million dogs in households in the United States. And every year, between 8 and 9 million of those dogs pass away. So that's the number of dogs you need to replace the ones that die every year just to maintain Household numbers of dogs as it is today. We are not able to do that now. We're already at a loss. And we know this because over a million dogs are being imported into the United States to meet demand. And so every time a misdirected bill is passed, maybe with the greatest of intentions, but just misdirected so that it encourages people who are hobby breeders and doing the best possible job that's done by anybody it discourages them from continuing. Every time somebody else quits, you're going to be getting more dogs from sources that are not nearly as good as the ones that are in place now. And there's no real recognition of that. And this has been a problem from the beginning of time working on animal legislation, the absolute inability of lawmakers to distinguish among the different types of producers and breeders and so on. And so that is one of the things that We're going to be paying a lot of attention to in the messaging that we do, just putting before them factual information about it that they can look up themselves in two seconds. We have the CDC report showing that a million.06 dogs were imported in 2018. That's the only year for which that sort of report's been done. We know that that is ongoing and increasing every year as American breeders quit breeding for a variety of reasons. And in California, the breeders that are left, they have closed down pet stores. They have regulated many, many, many breeders that used to produce dogs out of existence already. So this is really going to be targeting those very small breeders, like the hobby breeders and the occasional pet owner that has a litter for elimination, basically. And Again, I don't know that the lawmakers really understand that because I don't think that they understand how the dog marketplace really works. I don't think they have a clue. Now, if you are somebody who is working at a humane society and that is your filter, that is your perspective on the world, you're wanting to save these dogs, bringing those dogs into California is going to seem to you to be the most humane thing to do. But from a lot of standpoints, in including the consumer standpoint, it is not because the dogs that are coming in, whether they're foreign bred or whether they are from death row as they market their rescue dogs and so on from a Southern state, they don't have histories. Some of them are fine and they make wonderful pets and I don't ever knock dogs in rescue. Our group has a rescue of its own. We have Homes for Animal Heroes. So there's an absolute and important place for rescue, but it's not for everyone. And Certainly, there are people who want to be able to raise a dog from the time that it's a young dog on so that it will develop the traits, characteristics, personality, and so on that goes with that particular family's lifestyle. So not every household wants or needs the same kind of dog, but there are many households that would like to be able to find a breed of their choice, maybe a breed that they're familiar with from their childhood, and raise it from the time it's a puppy. Onward and with nothing but rescue dogs available or with them being continually marketed as the best and most humane choice, all other choices are decreasing. Right.
0: All right. So Kat, like Patty said, this really is an area that I think is really important for us at Good Dog to share information about. And so I wondered if you could offer some insight on Good Dog's position on all of this.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think our position is really grounded in our mission to work to unite dog breeders around the country, work to educate the public about the importance of dog breeders, and really change the conversation, and especially using science and evidence and actually looking at the facts, always, always with the lens of promoting canine health and welfare. So Good Dog does not support California Assembly Bill 702, nor do we support any of the other overreaching and anti breeder legislation that's out there. Though we do commend, again, as I said, the legislators who are working with the best of intentions to try and give our dogs the world they deserve. With respect to the California bill specifically, and I think Patty covered some of this as well, but the permit application, what it requires of breeders is really quite exhaustive. And I think even more concerning is questions around how it could be enforced. And I think the difficulty with respect to enforcing it and the fees that are associated with it. But more than that, I think the problem is what this bill doesn't do is it focuses on things like the number of dogs that breeders have rather than focusing on the quality of the care that the dogs are receiving. Because even with respect to quantifying things, what we know is actually it's not about the number, it's how many people are involved and how much care is that dog receiving. One person can have one dog and not treat them well. So what we want to focus is actually looking at and evaluating the quality of the care that dogs receive. And unfortunately, the government is just not equipped on its own to be able to do that, particularly when with breeding programs and responsible breeding practices are actually super variable from breeding program to breeding program. Yes, there are consistent things, but there's also necessarily variability there. And so I think what is kind of exciting about what we're trying to do here at Good Dog is have transparent standards in place by which we can evaluate breeders, hobby breeders, breeding programs I really look at are they engaging in responsible practices that are prioritizing the health and the welfare of those dogs and then certifying them as such and doing that with heading our health standards and research is a postdoc who has a degree in comparative and veterinary medicine and worked as a USDA science fellow and kennel welfare specialist and is one of the leading researchers on penine reproduction with respect to breeding practices. So we're trying to look at the science and the facts to make sure that what doesn't happen is you're looking at things that are proxies and actually having really unintended negative consequences, which we touched on before, pushing the good breeders out of the system, even worse in some cases, forcing them to engage in practices that are really unsafe, whether for them and or the dogs. So our goal at Good Dog, again, back to our mission, it's to really hopefully be a community that can help unify all of these amazing parties with the best of intentions working to give our dogs a better life and really advocate that we work with breeders and listen to breeders and have legislators talk to breeders and we think about how we can have practices community wide in a way that are enforceable and that are actually getting to what we want which is healthier dogs so this bill would not only be difficult to enforce and manage and create a breeding ground, if you will, for those irresponsible actors who would come in and circumvent it. And all of that would just lead to less and less dogs being produced with responsible practices. So what we would advocate for and what we are hoping to help encourage anyone who is a dog lover, a dog owner, a dog breeder, a past dog owner to reach out to your state representative if you're in California or if you're in Georgia and talk to them, send them a letter. If you go to gooddog.com slash join, we've got information on there about how you can find out who's your state rep and how to contact them. We also have some sample talking points and sample letters in there that you can use on our site in our legal resource center that you can use to send to your state legislatures. Good Dog has submitted a position statement and a letter to the authors of the bill's. Advocating for not passing them and explaining with evidence and research why we take that position. So, what we would really encourage you to do is spread the word and speak up because that's the only way that we're going to be able to make sure that we don't actually do the very thing that we are all trying to put an end to. And that is dogs being bred irresponsibly, or even worse, as Patty alluded to a
0: future without dogs. Right. And I think that rule of unintended consequences is definitely something that we need to be aware of as we look at these various legislative and initiative uprisings that are going on around the country. So I appreciate your time very much, Kat. And I know that Good Dog has resources. Folks, we will have information in the show notes about where you can get links to follow for more information on all of these different laws that are being considered that will make having a happy, healthy dog more difficult in the future.
1: Thank you, Laura. And I just also wanna say an enormous thank you as always to Patty and all of her incredible efforts and everything NAIA has done for this and so many other causes and bills. We're so grateful to her, and I would encourage folks to check out what she's doing as well. She's just an awesome leader in this space, and we are grateful to have her as well.
0: We are very fortunate to have someone who has been as involved in this for as long as she has. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kat. You have yourself a great day.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.
0: Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com join. That is G-O-O-D dog.com slash join or click the link in the show notes.